Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Twice a year I share that one message that is to empty chairs out. A lot of pastors will preach messages to get people into the chairs. I preach about twice a year to get people out of the chairs. To get people mobilized, to get people out and start working for the kingdom. And if you've been here at Christian Worship Center for any amount of time, you've been here for a while, this message is for you. If you're a first or second time visitor, please, this isn't for you. You've been here three times, it's for you. If this is your second and a half time, it's for you. But this morning, we're, we're going to get, as we used to say in Manteca, I'm going to be all up in your Kool-Aid this morning. I'm going to be all up in your grill. Uh, this is going to be uh, face-to-face uh, ministry this morning. This is a... Father speaking to his family. This is an apostle declaring to his congregation. This is a, a, a father having a family meeting this morning. And so for the visitors that are walking in, I apologize as we share these messages. And the, these messages, when I do preach them, they're like, how, how many of you have ever gone to the gas station? When you go to the gas station, you see this little seal that's on there. And it said, inspected by... And it usually shows a date and a signature of the company that has come in to ensure that this gas pump you are about to use, when it says that it's going to give you a gallon, that you're going to get a gallon of gas. That it's been calibrated correctly. In a moment, we're going to calibrate Christian Worship Center. We're going to make sure that this family is what we say we are. We're going to make sure that we understand that why we're here. And for those of you that may have walked in and you thought that we were something that we're not, this gives you an opportunity to get to a place that might be what you think it is. Because this isn't that place. We are not the Elks Lodge. We are not the PTA. We are not a club. We are not a social gathering. We are a church, a church that has been established by a living God. We are not an organization. We are a living organism. We have been created for the purpose and the plan to love God, to love people, and to change the world. Let me tell you, as I lay this foundation, as you turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, when we have to recalibrate the church, we got to go back to where that calibration, the standard, comes from. And the standard of the church comes from the book of Acts. It's where the church was created, and so we got to get back to our measuring points. we got to get back to the standard by which we've been created And so as you're turning there, I want you to understand this. Turn to your neighbor and tell them people matter to God. This is not about CWC. It's about people. Say it again, Pastor. CWC is not about buildings. We're about people. We are about a family. We are not building an organization. We are building a family. Christian Worship Center is about family. And how do we establish that family is that we have certain core values that we understand that, first of all, that you need to recognize this morning is that people, everyone has potential. Look at your neighbor. He's talking to you. Come on, say it. He's talking to you. Everyone has potential. PJ, you got potential. From the youngest to the oldest, you have potential. If we don't think that, oh, you have potential once you turn 18 years old at CWC. Our children have potential. Our kids have a plan for God. Our God has a plan for our children. They don't get a mini Holy Spirit. Our kids are valuable. And we love your kids. But if your kid starts crying in church, take them to the nursery. 
We love you. But if they get fuss, fussy, step out. Don't be offended when someone taps you and then you get all bent out of shape. We love your kid. And we want them to be able to yell and scream, just not in church. Amen? Secondly, everyone has a place. There's a place for everyone. Whenever you walk into a place and you feel out of place, it doesn't mean that that place isn't for you. It just means that you haven't found your place of service. You haven't found the place that you're, 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 you're comfortable at. And you know what? I, I've gone to some homes, and I remember as a kid walking into an aunt's house, and she had that one room. You know that one room? That one room with white carpet and furniture that no one can sit on and uh, no one can walk on. And it's like, why do you have a room in the house where you put a couch no one can touch, furniture that no one can sit on? What's the purpose of having a room that no one could ever go in? And if you walk into that house and you, you sit on that couch, you sit on the very edge of the couch because you don't want to wrinkle anything. You have to take your shoe off, your shoes off before you step on the carpet. I had an aunt that had a, a room like that that you couldn't step into that room. And I was always wondering why have a room no one can go in. You can't be comfortable. I want a room that I can kick my shoes off, lay down. And if I want to roll on the ground, I want to roll on the ground. If I want to hold a pillow, I want to cuddle a pillow. I want to put my feet up on the, on the sofa and watch TV. That's the kind of room I want to be in. I want to be in a place that I'm comfortable. So if you invite me to your house, don't take me to that room nobody can go into. I'm just playing. We had one of those rooms in Manteca. <laughs> you know, we had one of those rooms in Manteca. My wife is saying, don't say it, but I'm going to say it anyhow. And so we had the white sofas with the, you know, the, the beautiful, these things were, these things were just, they, they were just plush. And so, and we had the light carpet in there too. You know, the whole house had this light carpet. And when we would have gatherings at the church in Manteca, we would invite the choir or the worship team and they would hang out at our house before we went to the, to the, to the church. And I remember we were serving dinner and having lunch and people would, you know, at that time you let people sit wherever. Until my wife walked in and there was someone from the church that had their feet not only on top of our sofas, but in between the cushions. <laughs> I love this lady, but you ain't never seen a Hulk moment until my wife saw someone's dirty feet. Everyone has a place. Everyone, including you, and even as you're sitting here and might feel uncomfortable right now, you have a place at CWC. You have a place that you fit in. Get in where you fit in. Find that place that you're able to get involved, a place that you're able to feel comfortable. Find that room. You walk into a house, that house isn't made of just one room where no one can go in. There are several houses in a, in a house, several rooms in a house. One of the rooms in the house of CWC will be comfortable for you. Find that place. Oh, come on, you can clap better than that. Everyone has a purpose. And whether you know your purpose or not, we were praying for someone this morning in the first service. They said, Pastor, I just don't know what my purpose is. We want to get involved. We just don't know where. So right now, just share your story. you got an incredible story. Let's use your story. Let's talk about what God's done in your life. Share it with people. You know what? you got to find your place and recognize you have a purpose. Everyone say purpose. purpose. What is our purpose? What's the purpose of CWC? What do we exist for? We exist to love God, to love people, and to change the world. I firmly believe that if we love God, it'll teach us to love people. Because how many of you know some people ain't very lovable? So it starts with loving God. Okay, you two behave, okay? It starts with loving God. And when you love God, then you'll be able to love the unlovable, touch the untouchable, and reach the unreachable. And as a result, you can then change the world. Say it again, Pastor. Love God, love people, change the world.
That's what CWC is all about. Now, I'm not naive to think that if we do these things, all the world will change. But I do believe this, that if I love God and if I love people, I will transform my world. The world that I live in. It'll transform my family. It'll transform my church. It'll transform my church family. And so if you love God and you love people, you will have the ability to transform your work environment, your school environment. It'll transform your family. It'll transform your home. It'll bring about a change. Oh, come on. You could do better than that this morning. Come on, somebody. Now... Stand with me as we turn to Acts chapter 2. We read this scripture. I want you to see what happens here as we we, we break this down this morning. Acts chapter 2. You see Peter on the day of Pentecost. He shares the word. He preaches the word about who Jesus is. And we pick it up in verse 37 where it says, And now when they heard this, that the word of God should cause action on your part. I'm not here to entertain you. You want to be entertained, go to BET, turn on your television, watch a game. But you don't come to church to be entertained. You don't walk out of service and say, worship didn't do anything for me. Worship's not for you. Since now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Read that statement with me. What shall we do? Say it again. What shall we do? Pray with me. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In essence, what they were saying is what next? Where do we go from here? Now that you shared the word with us, where do we go from here? How are we different as a result of what we just heard? And I need you to understand that many of us have knowledge. But there is a gap between knowing and a gap between doing. I know a lot of people that give me health advice that are out of shape. I've had a lot of people give me financial advice that are broke. I've had people give me marital advice You get the picture? Those giving me advice on how to raise my kids and they don't have any. See, there's there's a gap between Knowing and doing. And that gap that is between knowing and doing, knowing how to get healthy and doing it, knowing how to draw close to God and doing it, knowing that I should be free of addiction, but doing it, that gap between the two is called commitment. And it's something that has been removed from the church and in this generation. We live in such an immediate society that we want everything immediate. We want to plant a seed and pick the fruit the next day. We don't want to wait for anything. We want to get out of debt immediately. You meet someone at the club. You want to go to bed. You don't want to get married. You want the sex before you get married, before you have a relationship. You want all the benefits of things, but you don't want to commit to nothing. And many of us in this room don't even know what it is to commit to anything. You've never committed to anything in your life. What would it look like in your life if you would commit for one year? Heck, for three months, commit. How would your body change? How would your finances change? How would your mind change if you would commit for just three months? 
If we made a commitment to something, if we stuck through it when things got hard, if we stayed it, what kind of husband could you be if you're truly committed? What kind of wife could you be if you were really committed? What kind of father could you be if you're really committed to being a dad? What kind of mom could you be if you're really committed to being a mom? The thing is, we don't marry people because they love us. We marry them because they're committed to us. Not you're committed to them. They're committed to you. We, we join relationships based on what people could do for us rather than what I can give to them. What can you give me? And so every relationship is no longer based on a give and take. It's a plus and minus. What do you add to me? And whenever you build relationships based on the bottom line, pluses and minuses, you don't have relationships. You have liabilities. You have liabilities or you have your equity. That's all it is. It's all business relationships. We don't know what it is. When's the last time you committed to an education? We start off there and we see it. I see it in masters all the time. They come into masters. They're excited about starting the new year. Then they take their first class. They're taking, oh, I'm excited. They're writing down all the notes and everything at the beginning of class. By the sixth week, all of a sudden, homework's not being completed, not turning in homework. All of a sudden, not taking notes anymore. Yawning and You remember that when you went to school? You went to Evergreen. You went to college. You were taking notes like, I'm going to do this. You couldn't even commit for a semester. And you want to get married? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? We get a dog? Yeah, mom, dad, give me the dog. I'll, I'll, I'll clean up the poop. I'll, I'll feed it. I'll you can't commit to a dog and you want to commit to a marriage? I'm sorry, did I go there? It's all about getting instead of giving. We are recalibrating this morning. If that hurt a little bit, I'm just doing some turning right now. I'm trying to make sure that we are who we say we are. And so what are we? What is it that we're looking for? What, what's, what is it? What next? What is CWC about? It's about, number one, taking the ordinary and turning them to extraordinary. <laughs> Secondly, it's about taking consumers and turning them into contributors. And lastly, it's about taking you from a service into an encounter with God. Let, let me start this off with the ordinary to the extraordinary. I want people, when they walk in these doors, if we say we're a church, then what we are advertising to America, to the community, to the world, that if you have a need, you can come here and you can have an encounter with the living God that has the ability to transform you. If you're blind, you can see. If you're lame, you can walk. If you're deaf, you're going to hear. If you're dead, we're going to rise you back up again. If you're in bondage, you're going to be set free. That if that is what we're advertising, then that is what we must produce. We must be who we say we're going to be. If we're going to be part of a church, then we got to start acting like a church. We're not a club. We're not an organization. We are a church. And a church has a certain responsibility that goes along with it we got to take the ordinary into the extraordinary. And you know what? I'm proud of this church. We've seen people go from ordinary to extraordinary. I'm amazed to see the people that walk in week after week. And I remember some of you that were broke, busted, and disgusted when you first walked in these doors. I remember how bruised and battered you were. I remember how you could barely walk on your own when you walked in. You came in maybe through a program. You walked in addicted. You walked in struggling. You walked in after a divorce. You walked in because of a sickness. But something brought you here. But today, you are a different person than you were than the one that walked in those months ago. 
don't have time to go through all the names, but I can talk about Lebo and Sabrina and to see where you guys came from to where you are now. I can talk about Dan Martinez addicted to now raising and delivering people from addiction to see these individuals walking in broke as a single mother now in charge of her own company. What am I telling you? That the church is about taking ordinary people and making them extraordinary. If you're ordinary this morning, then you know what? You're in good hands. Because your extraordinary season is about to begin. Come on, somebody say amen. See, what are you talking about, Pastor Dan? Acts chapter 4 tells a story that when the council members see the disciples, they look at them and they say, wait a minute, these guys are unlearned. Peter and John, they were unlearned for they could see that they were ordinary men. Everyone say ordinary. ordinary. Who had no special training. In other words, they didn't go to USC. They didn't go out here to Stanford University. They didn't even make it to Evergreen for God's sake. These guys barely didn't eat. They probably didn't even make it out of Mount Pleasant High School. They had no special training. But when they looked at them, they recognized that they had been with Jesus. There was something special about them. They didn't get the education from the mind. They didn't, there, there are certain lessons that are taught, and there are certain lessons that are caught. And these men, by hanging out with Jesus, caught the presence of God. Oh, I need you to get capture this this morning. See, I, I, I believe that we've gotten to a point in America that we've made reasoning a God. Reasoning has become an idol. That if we can't explain it, then it doesn't exist. That if medicine doesn't have an answer for it, then it must not have any value. And so what it's done is remove the ability to have faith in God when I'm sick. The ability to have faith in God when I'm broke. The ability to trust that God's able to part the Red Sea. The ability to walk on water. I need you to understand that in those days, it didn't add up either. It still doesn't add up today. But my God is able to do beyond what your mind is able to reason. The Bible says that they were unlearned. Everyone say unlearned. That word unlearned means, in the Greek, is idiote. That means they stood in front of these guys and said, man, you guys are idiotes. <laughs> so you don't need to be a Greek scholar to know where they're going with this. What's that sound like? The idiot wasn't a derogatory term. It just meant you don't know. Just, you're unlearned. You haven't had the education yet. You don't know. The, the, and, and they looked at these men and said, you guys are idiots. What do idiots do? I need you to understand something about this new breed that God is raising up. There's a new breed of idiot being raised up. There's a new breed of idiot being raised up right now. What do they do? That when walls won't fall, they march around them and they believe that those walls are going to fall. That when, when you're struggling and you, you, you need a breakthrough, when your body's sick, you lay hands and you anoint them with oil and you pray and God heals them. That when you're in need, you give and all of a sudden God makes a way. That's what idiots do. You know your family thinks you're an idiot for coming to church. What are you doing? What do you go to church on Sunday morning? Sunday morning is for football. Stay home, stay in bed. What are you guys going to church all the time for? They think you're unlearned. But you know what? After a while, the more you spend time with Jesus, they're going to look at you and see. You might be unlearned, but you know what? I've been having this pain in my body. 
you prayed for someone else and they got healed. Can you pray for me? You know, can, can, can you help put my family back together? Can you help bring peace to my situation? Can you help deliver me from my addiction? I need you to understand that they'll look at you and say, I can tell that they've been with Jesus. The bottom line is, is that principle is still true today. Whoever you hang out with, people will recognize. Secondly, contributors, consumers to contributors. Remember, they asked, what shall we do? In other words, we're going to do something, not what you're going to give us. Most church people walk into a church wondering, what can the church do for you? You know, we shop churches like we do restaurants. What are you serving? What are you going to serve me today? Do I like what you're serving? And if I don't like what you're serving, I'll find a church that serves me better. Let me find a place that serves what I like. And just serves me certain things because I, I don't want to go to a place that makes me feel uncomfortable. Let me tell you something. CWC is not a place to be comfortable. I pray every Sunday you feel uncomfortable when you walk in here. I want us to grow. I want us to move on. It's like going to a weight room. I don't want you to come and just chill with your headphones, taking selfies in front of the mirror. I want you to get down on that bench, pick up a bar, and start lifting something. I want you to be different as of the result of the time that you're here. So I need you to understand something. I want you to recognize there's a difference between a consumer mindset and a contributor mindset. A consumer mindset is a critical one. Criticize everything. Well, I didn't like the worship today. I didn't like the music. The music just didn't minister to me. Well, flash, it's not supposed to. Worship and praise is for God, not for you. That when we worship, we are worshiping God. Now, even if the song doesn't minister to you, it's not supposed to. It's supposed to minister to God. Listen, when you die on the cross, raise three days later, and then go and sit on the right hand of the Father, then maybe we'll write a song or two about you and worship you. But worship is unto God. And one of the benefits is, is that no matter how I feel, I walk in as a contributor, I worship God, I lift my hands, I give him glory, whether I feel like it or not. Why? Because I'm contributing to God. I'm magnifying God. And as a result, when God shows up, all of a sudden I get the benefits of his blessings, of his presence. Oh, someone got to catch this. Someone's got to catch this. You see, a consumer mindset is a critical one, while like a, 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 a contributor mindset is a complementary one. You see, the church in the book of Acts wasn't a perfect one. They were all jacked up. They had liars, they had thieves, they had gossipers and complainers. But they were able to take problems and turn them into ministry. Take complaints and turn them into ministry. Need you to understand something this morning. CWC, I can prove to you through the word and through nature that anything in life that only takes but never gives will die. And you know what's sad? Listen very closely. Again, this is for those of you that have, that have been here for a while and yet contribute nothing. Some of you here today, you are, you're, you're enjoying music that someone else paid for. Sitting in a building that someone else provided. Enjoying heat that someone else contributed towards. Being ministered to for preaching that you did not provide. And it's like showing up at Denny's every week and eating a meal and walking out without paying the bill. We would never do it at a restaurant, yet we do it in church all the time. We never contribute, we just take, and we take, and we take. Well, I thought this place was free, Pastor. 
You show me anything or anywhere you go and you eat for free continually. Now, if you're new here, this isn't for you. Because we will gladly provide for you until you're able to understand the principles and become a contributor. See, it's time that we grow up and learn to contribute. Become a giving part. And I'm not just talking financially. I'm talking of your time. I'm talking of your talents and your treasure. We want to be contributors, but all we want, we want to be consumers, not contributors. We want to come in and just get fed. Listen, it's not my responsibility to feed you. I just messed with half of your mentalities of what a church is all about. <laughs> now, uh you go to a church to get fed. Don't you ever tell me you left this church because you weren't getting fed. <laughs> you know, I fed my children when they were babies. When they were babies. As long as you're new to the kingdom and to the gospel, I'll feed you. In fact, you think, you know, why do I try to make things fun and joke around and laugh and things like that? I'm doing what I did with my kids when my kids were kids, and I tried to get them to eat. They didn't want to open their mouth. <laughs> See, she opened her mouth. Make them smile, they open their mouths, and all of a sudden you get them to eat. So when I preach the word, I'll do things that might make, make you laugh or might sound funny or joke around in order to get those that are growing in the gospel to make it go down a little easier, to make you laugh, to smile. And I'll make those noises. I'll do those things to get you to eat. But for those of you 45-year-old Christians that are sitting there in the high chair still and in your diaper asking me to make the noises and open up your mouth so I can feed you, I ain't doing that no more. you got to feed yourself. I just bring you here and I share recipes with you. I'm, a, I'm doing a cooking show right now trying to whet your appetite so that you can say, when I get home, I'm going to try that recipe out. I'm going to try to make that myself. I'm going to feed myself. And that's why. That's why you got to take notes during the word. Because then you go home and you eat. I'm giving you recipes. You go home and you begin to eat this when you get home. Listen to it on the podcast. Some of you are sitting in your high chair with no pen, no paper, no phone, no notes or anything, just sitting there waiting for me to entertain you. <laughs> it's time to be contributors. Somebody say amen. amen. Lastly, as we close... Ask uh, John or someone help me out this morning. Listen, I, I just need to say this as we, before we even leave the contributor spot. This isn't about money. You can't pay me enough to love you. You can't pay me enough to do this job. I did this for three years when we started this church and didn't get a dime from this church. So don't ever look at me and say it's about money. I did it for free before. I can do it for free again. It's not a, you can't pay me enough to minister the word of God. I remember ministering the word of God for a chicken. After I got done preaching, they handed me a live chicken. Not a dead one, a live one. It had feathers. It was clucking. Didn't know what to do with it. Gave it back to the pastor. Said, you need this more than I do, man. My staff, I know they're not here because of money. Pastor Matt and Pastor Nick, they worked here for $400 a month when we started this church. A month in the valley, San Jose. 
Anything that they get above and beyond that is back pay for the time that they put into this ministry in these 14, 15 years. I'd like to see how many, oh, I love God, work for that $400 a month. We'll see how much you love God. I've got people on my staff right now making pennies. I'm embarrassed what we pay Pastor T to run Master's Commission. Yet she probably puts in more hours than anyone on my staff. Why? Because she was raised up to be a contributor. And yet I don't have time to give to God. I don't have the ability to give to God. You got a staff that is committed to you. And yet we stay in this marriage called church and give you our all. All we ask is for you to be committed as well. But as I close, I want to share the final thought. Somebody say amen. It's not about just being a consumer or a contributor. It's not just about operating as a ordinary person that wants to become extraordinary. The church exists for this last point I'm going to share with you now. It's not for a service, but for an encounter. Not for a service, for an encounter. In the book of Acts, John and Peter are walking in into the gate beautiful at the time of prayer, and they find a, a, a lame man sitting there. The man didn't need a church service. What he needed was an encounter with God. And 14 years ago when we planted this church, we didn't plant a church, we planted a service. We had good music, great choir, and a good word. But we would do that and then afterwards we would leave and that was it. That wasn't a church. A church isn't about a service, it's about an encounter with God. A church is about letting people know in the community that if you have a need, you can come here and that need can be met right here. We need to be a place of encounter. We need to be a place where people can have an encounter with God. It's not about a service. It's not about the music. It's about an encounter with God. I've always told you that God created us for fellowship. God wanted fellowship with mankind. In the book of Genesis, you don't see choirs. You don't see music. You don't see preaching. You don't see pews. All you see is God walking in the cool of the night with man. Fellowship. That's what God wants with you. He wants to fellowship with you. People need an encounter with God. And I'm convinced that people don't need another service just like you don't need another service. I see the way some of y'all fall asleep in service as it is. Don't need another service. We need an encounter with God. Do you hear me? We need a God encounter. Man, we can come to church week after week and never have an encounter with God and still feel like we're putting in our time. That's not what God wants. He never wanted to establish a religion. He wanted a relationship with you. He loves you. It's about an encounter. And God wants to encounter you. And we need to develop this place into a place of encounter. 
A place where people can have a God encounter. A place where people can walk in with a need and walk out restored from that need. A place where a blind person can find sight. A lame person can find strength to walk. A dead person can rise. I need you to understand that a broken marriage should be able to come here and be put back together again. That's what a church is. If you want business as usual, there's a lot of wonderful churches in this valley that you can go to. But I want an encounter with God. Now, I'm not saying the other ones don't. don't. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying right here. We are committed to turning the ordinary into extraordinary. Taking the consumer and turning them into a contributor. And changing service into being an encounter with God. Love God. Love people. Change the world. So as we close, there's five questions I want to ask you. Number one is this. Are you doing all you can right now? What does CWC get when they get you? What does God get when they get you? Secondly, are you utilizing your gifts and your talents for the kingdom of God? You're doing it for your job. Well, what about the kingdom? What are you giving to the kingdom? What gifts and talents? Some of you came here broken. You came here wounded, you came here destroyed, and you came here to get healed and put back together again. All right, you've been here for four years already. By now, the wounds should be healed. Get busy. Number three, are you ready to partner with God? God wants to utilize your gifts, your story, your talents. Number four, you're ready to become a contributor. Aren't you tired of just taking? You know, there's only a couple times in my life that I've actually felt rich. And neither of them had to do with when I bought something. It's usually when I gave something away. I felt blessed. I felt rich. Doing doorbell ditch with groceries. Going to a needy family's house and dropping groceries at the door, ringing the doorbell and then running. I felt rich. Because I didn't need them to say, hey, thanks, Pastor. Appreciate that. Hey, Dan, I appreciate the groceries. I didn't need. I just wanted to give. counseling and putting a marriage back together I felt rich when I gave to someone that was in need I felt rich number five are you ready for a God encounter I want more for you. Some of you, I don't even know your names, but I see you here every Sunday in your seats, and I see and I pray, God, I want more for them. I want them to experience your presence in new measure. I want them to have an encounter with you that would transform not just their lives, but the generations after them. times that you can't pray for yourself you need to know you got a pastoral staff that's praying for you people that love you that are standing in the gap for you heads bowed and eyes closed you're ready 
to move from being ordinary to becoming extraordinary. If that's you, right where you are, stand to your feet quickly. Tired of being ordinary, I want to be extraordinary quickly. Secondly, you're here right now and you understand, Pastor Dan, I, I've been consuming long enough. I know it's time for me to give. And giving has, goes beyond financial. Just because you tithe or you give an offering doesn't take away from the time that we need or your talent that we need as well. If you're here right now and you say, Pastor, I'm ready to become a contributor, stand to your feet. Lastly, you've been to plenty of services, but you're saying now, God, I need an encounter. I need a God encounter. This religion is just making me comfortable in my condition, but it's not changing me. Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none, but that which I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. You're here and you need a God encounter. Stand to your feet right now. You got a need only God can meet. You got a situation that only God could break through. You got, a, you got something only God himself. God bless you. My last call is this. You're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. And just like those guys that heard Paul speak or Peter speak say, what now? What next? What do I do now? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and your family shall be saved. If that's you, you stand to your feet as well. I want to introduce you to Jesus today. Anyone at all. God bless you. As Troy sings this song, I'm going to ask those of you standing to please come to the altar. We want a God encounter. We got to come encounter God. Amen. Troy, would you sing? This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. All I have within me, I give you praise, and all that I adore is in.
There's a story in a book I read recently called All In by Mark Batterson. And he tells a story about Hernando Cortez, who was a Spanish explorer that came into Mexico. And several expeditions, when they would get there and they would try to take over that region, they kept failing. Every time they'd get there, they were outnumbered and they would end up failing in their quest to overtake that region. Hernando Cortez comes over from Spain and he brings these ships. And when the ships come to the shore, he gives an order to those men that came with them. Three words. Burn the ships. He gave a command to those that came with them. Burn the ships. And what he was telling them is that we're not going back. We either succeed or we fail. We either win or we die. There's no going backwards. We're going to burn the ships because we're not going home. That's called commitment. That's saying I'm going all in. I'm not backing up. And some of us need to make a decision today. you got to burn the ships. I'm not going back to my old life. I'm not going back to the way things used to be. I'm going to burn the ships. I'm either winning or dying, but I'm not going back. Commitment. CWC must become a place of commitment. I want you to be extraordinary. If you're a student today, I want you to be the best student you can be. If you're working at a job, I want you to be the best employer at the employee at that job. If you're a business owner, I want you to be the best company that's out there. I want it to become known that if you get someone from CWC on your staff, in your company, it's going to be blessed, it's going to grow, and it's going to expand. Because they're people of excellence. It's time to grow up. A child only focuses in on what you're giving me. But as you grow up, you start learning how to take care of others, contribute. So lift your hands with me now. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwcbayarea.com.